The Copywriter Club podcast is sponsored by AirStory, the writing platform for professional writers who want to get more done in half the time. Learn more at airstory.co forward slash club. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes, and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Rob and I do every week in the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 62 as we chat with copywriter, filmmaker, and storyteller Jamie Jensen about going from Hollywood to hot copy, the importance of storytelling when it comes to writing copy with personality, working with a team of writers, the ins and outs of creating courses, and how making a movie made her a better copywriter. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's great to have you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You were on our list early on as someone that we wanted on the show. And it's nice to have a fellow New Yorker on the show as well. Mm-hmm. So a great place to start is, you know, you went from Hollywood to hot copy. So we always want to know, how did you even get into copywriting? Sure. Well, what's interesting is for me, like for my story, is that my dad was an entrepreneur So I actually grew up with a lot of like copywriting things around me already, meaning not just like the sales perspective of reading, reading books about sales and marketing and all of that stuff. Like they were always around the house because my dad was marketing his own business and doing things like buying domains up and coming up with catchy things for, you know, that he wanted to trademark for his business. And even like, I mean, direct mail was still a big thing then. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so I would even help him like review mailers that he was sending out to his like physical mailing list because that was a thing, you know? And so I actually grew up exposed to a lot of that to begin with. And the way that I made the transition from Hollywood to hot copy was I had made a film. So, you know, I left Hollywood. I had kind of had enough, you know, came back to New York City where I'm from and my producing partner and I decided at the time that we were going to just make our own film. So I had already written the script and she had been working on it as a producer. And we decided like, you know what, forget guys, by the way, because at this point, we had both had a lot of negative experiences with men in the industry, in the entertainment industry. We were like, we're going to shoot this movie. No offense, Rob. We're going to shoot this movie. I was going to say, it's not like men in the entertainment industry have a bad name or anything. I mean... (laughs) No, they're so respectful yeah, to women. Right. Have you watched the news yeah. lately? It's so great. Um, so we were like, we're going to make our movie ourselves. We're going to have a fully female crew. It's going to be amazing. So we did. And that was amazing. And ultimately, it ended up being digitally distributed. So we got a digital distribution deal with one of the digital distributing companies. And that really taught me a lot about like digital marketing. You know, we had started, you know, we worked with this one consultant who, I don't think that it was very helpful actually <laughs> when we worked with them, but we just had to figure so much out about like, okay, well, you know, we're going to be on iTunes and what does that mean? And how do we launch? And just all of the things that come with like launching a piece of content digitally that weren't things that we necessarily thought about or had learned in grad school with producing because we had learned like the business of the entertainment industry. 
And so kind of making that transition and having to think through the marketing process, like even just putting my head into it kind of got me more thinking about, you know, digital marketing and like what room there is for different types of content on the internet and what the value of content on the internet is and like how it all works and where those things cross over. And so I had to write, you know, copy, we had to write copy for our film, we had to write like descriptions, and we had to create a website. And it's funny looking back now, now that I know what I know. Also, you know, if I could go back in time, what I would do differently with that as well. But just figuring out that process kind of got me into thinking about like just writing other types of things for hire. Interesting. And so what would you do differently? If you look back at that time when you're marketing your movie? I mean, the website wasn't very awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Can we see it? Is it something that we could find? It's not. It's not. We actually like gave up. We like shut down, you know, we still have the domain, but we shut down the website about a year ago. And the movie is still on iTunes, though. And it's so you can go, you can watch the trailer, it's around, but the website is not still live. It's just looking back now, I I think I think we could have had a lot of fun marketing the movie and kind of developing more of an audience for it before we released it. You know, and, and obviously foresight is 2020, but we were so focused on creating the project. And that was so such a huge investment and so much work and time and energy that I don't know that it would have been possible to do more. But I wish that that we would have, you know, we're going to link to it. We're going to link to like the IMDb page so that you, yes. you, know, okay. you can see your, your movie. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it called? It's called Hannah has a hoe phase. Oh, right. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you realize that there's other opportunities for copywriting, marketing opportunities. How did that turn into your business? And is there a rough year you can give us? Because I want to dig into those early days in your business. Totally. So I had actually, there were a few different ways that I kind of ran around and ended up doing like hot copy became a business. And so initially, when I decided to kind of branch out and start my own business, I was interested in copy, you know, because I was doing it for free for people already. Like I had friends that I went to high school with who were creative entrepreneurs who were starting their own businesses, and they were coming to me to help them with their about pages. And they were coming to me to help them with like their website copy. And so I wasn't even considering that that was something that people could pay me for. It was just like, I was just the person people came to for that. So that was a hint that I didn't even, it was that like, you know, when (laughs) it's like when a guy's interested in a girl and it's really obvious to everyone else, but the girl, it's like, (laughs) that was my relationship with copy in the beginning. It was like, oh yeah, totally. Like this is so the thing that I do, but total unawareness around the fact that like it's a valuable service to offer someone. And so I actually, when I first branched out into having a business, I was excited about coaching writers and working with writers particularly after leaving Hollywood and kind of developing more of what I'd consider life balance for myself as a writer. Um, And so I was excited to kind of work with other writers who were doing time in Hollywood and help them kind of design more of a lifestyle that was healthy and look at other streams of income that they could be creating for themselves while they were kind of waiting for their projects to like pop, essentially. So that was kind of when I first started my business. I want to say that was like 2012. That's what I intended on doing. (laughs) And what's funny is that's ultimately how, like what my agency ended up becoming anyway. So that was what I intended on doing. And I did coach like a handful of writers in the beginning. And it was only through like six straight months of considering building a business and not really going full time and kind of figuring it out. And then, and then it dawned on me that I was writing copy for free. And writing my own copy as I was building my own business and and realizing like, oh, this is the thing that I actually want to be doing that feels really good and exciting. 
So, Jamie, I think a lot of copywriters would be very envious to hear that, you know, projects were just falling in your lap almost, but you must have been doing <laughs> something to, you know, draw attention to what you were writing or the clients that you were working with that brought in additional clients. So, you know, what was it that you were doing that was attracting them to you? Well, I didn't fully open up shop. Like I didn't decide that like I hadn't committed fully that like copywriting was going to be my business 100% until like six months into discovering what my business was. So it wasn't until I believe it was March 2013. And at the end of 20, I think it was the end of 2012, I had signed up for a business course. I'm an online business course with Rebecca Tracy on Cage Your Business, who I adore. She's a great friend of mine. And it was through that process of doing that course, like trying to develop this, like, I want to work with writers. I don't know how, but like, I really want to help them and write and copy it. And so that was initially the people I was writing for were people that like, knew me from other parts of my life. Like I was bartending, I had people who knew me from the bar business. And a lot of the people in the bar business were also creative. So some of them were graphic designers, and they like did freelance at ad agencies also. So just kind of be honestly, like being me showing up in the world as myself, like brought clients to me. And I know that that sounds really corny. <laughs> but it's true. Like I showed up as me in this business course, and I was just being funny and like writing great copy and like making jokes. And then people wanted my help with things that they were trying to kind of create or name or come up with taglines for. And I ended up showing up in Rebecca Tracy's Facebook group, like her free Facebook group, again, just as myself, like having fun, help being helpful to people. Honestly, in the beginning, like I had no specific strategy around getting clients. I was just like, hey, I'm so excited to be doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that that sounds really awful, but like, that's the honest truth. You know, when people ask me like what I did, I'm like, I didn't strategically search for clients. I was actually enjoying bartending and I knew that I wanted to eventually stop, but I was in no rush to be like, oh, I need this to replace my income tomorrow. You know, I was in a very big debate with myself over how much I would miss. And I do miss bartending because I get to physically be with people yeah. in a space yeah. where that does not exist Wait, now. what is that like? Right? <laughs> Because I'm a gremlin in a room by myself all day now, which is not always the funnest. And like what I always tell copywriters and when I'm working with people, especially in the beginning, is like the best thing that you can do for your business, especially in the first six months, is do great work for people. Totally agree. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like a lot of my clients in the beginning were just like wowed with the work that I was doing. They loved the experience of working with me. I made it easy and fun. I created a very professional system and process from the beginning so that they felt really taken care of. And it was just, a you know, their experience as a client, the product they, they received, you know, they just loved working with me. And then it became word of mouth and referrals. And they just kept coming. You know, I really believe that doing great, focusing on like your current clients is the most valuable thing you can do for your business, especially in the beginning. Like everyone's obsessed with marketing and everyone's obsessed with funnels and like, how can I bring in leads and lead generation? And I'm like, take really good care of your clients. Yes. Yeah. Let's unpack that just a little bit. You said that you developed some systems and processes that made it really easy to work with you. Tell us about what that looked like. So I have a very clear brand voice, right? Like your hot copy has a very clear brand voice. And that was clear from the beginning. So I'm also not going to discount that I think that having been a writer in Hollywood, which meant that, you know, for years prior to starting my business, I was already in the process of, well, what's your voice and what's marketable about you and thinking in terms of like, okay, well, what's sexy about this project? So Already having thought that way and already having done this work on voice and what makes me marketable and what's like cool about me as a writer, like what makes me pitchable and sexy and interesting to work on a project 
it was kind of, I had already laid the foundation of thinking through like, who am I and what makes me appealing as a writer? So by the time I launched my copywriting business, that was already clear. Yeah. So when I launched my first brand, I was like, oh, duh, I'm just going to take all of this and apply it to this business because I've already done that foundational work of, you know, people knowing like who I am, what I sound like, what kind of writer I am, what experience they're going to get, that sort of thing. So there was a consistent brand voice throughout the process. So for example, like my website, you know, spoke volumes about who I was, like even my first website, like I did the work for myself before I did it for my clients. So my website sold me. And then, you know, when people kind of went through the process, the onboarding process of hiring me, every touch point was on brand. So, you know, they fill out an inquiry form to potentially hire me, they get an autoresponder back that's like the same level of fun and excitement as the rest of my website. And then, you know, when I reach out to them to schedule a call, again, they get a message for me that's communicating, you know, the same experience level, the same voice, the same, you know, they're in the same world, if that makes sense. So a lot of those touch points like I just kept consistent, like the brand voice was consistent. So there was just this like this consistency that allowed clients to feel taken care of and like they could trust the experience and trust the process and know that I'm not a phony who's going to, you know, I feel like it's confusing for people when they see one thing, but then get another thing on the back end. So there's that part. And then also like once people booked with me, I just had a very like, I have a very systematic way of working and my business still runs very systematically. And I've always been that way. And so it, it's like they get, they get an intake form, they schedule a call, then this happens, then this happens. And I just have a very specific process that I work with people through. And it's kind of always been that way. And I think that them, even something as simple as like, if you're going to be late by a day, like let people know, Yeah, you know, set expectations and, and then meet expectations or exceed expectations. You know, I, I've heard that a lot of people work with copywriters and they're, they have an experience of like sitting and waiting and like wondering when something's going to show up or like, you know, because the copywriters over there doing the work, but for the client, they're like, patiently or impatiently waiting for their copy to arrive and kind of like wondering and not knowing when it's going to come or what it's going to be like. And so even throughout the process of me writing stuff, you know, I like to kind of touch base and just be like, hey, I know it's coming this day, but like, here's what's going on or here's what I'm excited about or I have a question for you. So, you know, I just think that having those touch points that give that client that feeling of consistency and like they're being taken care of and the process is professional, all of that helps. So I love all of that because systematizing what we do is challenging for a lot of copywriters, including myself. Can you share some of those other touch points, especially for new copywriters that may be doing it or not doing it? You mentioned, you know, intake form, schedule a call. What are some of those other touch points and how are you managing that in your system through what type of project management system so that it does stay on track? When I'm doing one-on-one work, a lot of it is just me managing it. So I didn't actually set up a project management system for my business that we use consistently until I want to say a year and a half ago when there was just more projects and more clients to manage at once. That being said, my answer to that the question with touch points is it's every moment that your client is engaging in with your brand and your business. Like that's where you are developing your relationship with your client. So touch point one might be someone recommended you and then they might have said like, oh, we'll hire this writer because they're, you know, insert three adjectives here, like whatever the brand stands for. That's probably how people are describing you to others when they're referring you. So assuming that that's how you actually are, then they go to your website and then your website speaks to 
all of those three adjectives or qualities that that person's describing you as. So there's consistency there. So there's a touch point. Then they decide they want to reach out and get in touch with you. So they fill out a form on your website or use a contact thing, or maybe they schedule a sales call directly with you on your website. All of the languaging and all of the experience as they're going through that process, like whether it's scheduling or filling out a form, like that's another touch point where you have an opportunity to make an impression. Then, you know, depending on what that sales process is for you, you know, you're going to get on the phone with them. The relationship that you have with them then gets deeper as you're connecting with them. Is the way that you're talking to your client actually on the phone the same way that your brand sounds? That's important for that to be consistent. So there's that touch point. And then there's like, if they decide to start working with you, like, you know, it's, the payment system, it's the project management system, it's the, you know, there, I think there's about like four or five different systems in business that you want to be setting up. So, you know, all of those are touch points. So how are you invoicing? Are you invoicing on time? When can they expect it? You know, also closing a project out. So some people like to like send gifts when they start. So there can be like, like the starting process, the onboarding and the offboarding, you know, delivering your first draft is a step in the process. I'm trying to walk through it chronologically in my head, but I keep talking about it out of order right now. <laughs> like as I'm saying it, I'm like, yeah, there's all these touch points. I think because I've been doing it for so long that like I forget. I haven't mapped it out in a while, but it's like, yeah, they contact you. They put a deposit down. They get their start stuff. Then maybe you, you get a welcome gift. They get a welcome packet. You set up your first call. You deliver a draft. You have a revisions process, whatever that is for your brand or business. You have a specific timeline that you work within. Like it might be longer or shorter depending on how you work. You know, and then there's either another call to go over notes or there's a revisions process and there's a way that you manage getting feedback from your client. Then you deliver the feedback, you kind of touch in again, and then delivery of final draft is a huge piece in the process too. Like, how are you closing the project out? What note are you leaving it on? What's their experience throughout the entire thing? Then there's offboarding. So delivering the drafts, final invoices, if that's how you invoice, sending a wrap up gift, if that's part of your process as well, or a handwritten note, and then follow ups. So like, then what happens? You know, do you give them like tips on what they can do now that they've gotten their copy? You know, it really depends. Like a lot of this is also saving you time. If there's questions that people tend to ask you every time you work with them, then you can answer all those questions in your welcome packet and your goodbye packet. And then like they have everything they need and they're taken care of. That's really good stuff. And on top of that process, then you layer in your brand, which is very personality driven and almost unique in some ways. You know, the email that you send out is very Jamie. You know, it feels like you. Every every communication that you have feels like you. Tell us a little bit about how you came about to develop your brand personality and how it shows up, you know, for your clients and in the world. <laughs> how does my brand personality show up in the world? I don't know. <laughs> but you are very conscious about you know, like, you know, the things that you create and send out there though, they're very reflective of who you are. And it's a very genuine feeling brand, right? I appreciate that. And on social media too. I appreciate that. (laughs) I'm really just being myself. (laughs) (laughs) I actually had a call with my like tech and client care VA recently. And she was like, I don't think that you're like, she said something about me not being happy with something or I don't remember what the conversation was, but she said something like, I don't think with your personality, like you could ever hide anything you're feeling ever. (laughs) And it's true. Like I am just very present in my like, whatever, like I'm very present in myself. I don't know how this is like a really, this is a really weird answer because it just sounds really freaking weird. Um, (laughs) I'm just, I'm very honest, brutally honest. And 
if there's ever something that bothers me or feels off to me, like I am very aware of my feelings and I'm very sensitive and I'm hypersensitive to others. And to be honest with you, I think that it's a big reason why I'm good at what I do. Yeah. My sensitivity, I think, makes me actually an excellent copywriter, an excellent screenwriter, because I feel like my ability to truly feel my feelings, to be aware of what's going on with myself, and to be transparent about it, especially like in a, in a present moment, helps me really understand like the psychology and emotional buying behaviors of the customers, you know, and like characters, which is how I would write for that with, you know, screenwriting. So I don't even know how to answer this as like a systematic process other than I think people really, my advice is, you know, however you can be empowered to be fully yourself in your business is only going to benefit you. Because again, it comes down to consistency, like as authentic as you can possibly be in your brand, in your brand voice, you know, the better, because then you've set this expectation of what the experience of working with you is going to be like. And so for me, like, you know, I'm funny. <laughs> I'm an occasional comedian. Like the projects that I work on, you know, my screenwriting projects are funny. So I write comedy. So for me to like have a brand that didn't have jokes, like would just be weird. And for someone to show up and like talk to me and then, you know, would it make sense if I had like a really funny website and then someone came to, to speak to me and I was like, the most boring person you've ever met in your life. <laughs> Like it wouldn't make sense. But honestly, like my, my process is like, it's brutal honesty. And it's a lot of like how I write. It's where my comedy comes from. I will say also that like when you had asked before, you know, how people were finding you, like I also just write things as Facebook statuses. And that's how a lot of friends came to me asking me for copy help or help with writing, excuse me, was because of the level of honesty that I would consistently use when just writing statuses on Facebook. Interesting. Yeah. I think it's highly, I mean, from the posts I've seen and I follow you on social media, not only are you active and showing up, which you said earlier is a big part of it. You've just been showing up and enthusiastic all along and that's what's attracted people. But because you're highly sensitive and honest, I think you're sharing a lot of what we're all thinking, but we're not saying. And that's what really helps people lean in and want to work with you. And, and I appreciate you saying that you're highly sensitive too, because we, are going to have Heather Dominic on the show. And she talks about being the highly sensitive mm. entrepreneur, uh, which I am as well. And we realize on the show that Rob is not highly sensitive. <laughs> You're highly insensitive. <laughs> but I have a feeling a lot of writers are highly sensitive as well. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I want to pivot and ask you about your agency. And, you know, it sounds like, and I know from watching you from afar early on, you just, you got a lot of traction. You had a ton of clients. I mean, if you go to your testimonials page, it's crazy. It's like the never ending pages because you've worked with everyone and have a, a tremendous testimonials. So when did you realize like, Hey, this is going to turn into something bigger than just me. This is going to turn into a micro agency. When did you see that path? And then what did you do to kind of set the wheels in motion? Well, here's the thing. My agency started because I was booked out like within the first two months of going full time and I couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah. Like that's how it started. I was like, I have too much work. I need help. And Erin, who's also a crazy talented writer and has always been a crazy talented writer. And I knew from the business program that I had taken and she was also kind of toying with like coaching and writing and not really 100% sure what direction she wanted to go in at the time, but was so talented and was also like writing really clever witty taglines for people for fun had she just was like, I can help you. 
Like, let's, you know, I'll come aboard and I'll help you. Like she had just had her second child. So she didn't have a ton of bandwidth to kind of devote to her own business at the time. So she kind of preferred like just coming aboard and, you know, and she just helped me with a lot of the pieces of the business, meaning like thinking through the vision of like what I really wanted. And, you know, at at first I was like, I just need you to do a bad first draft of something so that I can come in and like revise it. I just can't generate everything from scratch myself right now. So at first, like that was what I was having her do. And then it turned into her offering unique services through my business where like she would offer services that I didn't want to offer. So things I was going to retire anyway, she's like, I'll just take them over. I was like, great. So if someone wants that, you can do it. And if they want something else, I'll do it. And so it's really like our relationship as she came aboard, our working relationship and her role in the agency, you know, in my role as well, like it transformed a lot over the three years. So initially, it was just like, I kind of subcontracted some help to her with projects so that I could not write the first drafts of things. And then it became the unique services thing. And then it became, you know, I I sort of developed this vision over that time of, you know, I've always wanted to support other writers. And that's always been important to me. And I started this kind of wanting to help other writers who were quote unquote, doing time in Hollywood, create other revenue streams and you know, and kind of have that flexibility and freedom to, you know, do a little work over here for money, and then kind of focus on what they really wanted to be focused on as far as like their, you know, work in the world is concerned. And so it kind of transitioned from I'm going to coach them to like, no, I'm going to staff them. And that's how that happened. And I was like, I have so many leads I can't handle, you know, but I know so many writers in LA who, you know, are kind of just doing the writing thing and picking up jobs here and there. And like, I can make this really simple and easy for them to kind of just have this cash flow stream if they want it. I will train them how to write copy for businesses. And I also knew that I would be able to communicate with them as far as like how I made the leap from screenwriting to copywriting. I'm like, right, I have the storytelling background. So my approach is very specific to that. And the way that I handle brand voice is like, okay, well, we have to look at them as a character. And so if you were writing dialogue for a screenplay, that's what I want you to be identifying when you're figuring out someone's brand voice. And so that conversation was really easy for me training them because that was how I, you know, kind of translated and understood the bridge between screenwriting and copywriting. And so that was kind of how that all started. (laughs) You make it sound easy. You know, the work just came and agency just grew and everything's happy, but there've got to be challenges with running an agency. Tell us the dark side. Okay. There are so many challenges, so many challenges. And like, and the thing is like, none of this was easy. Okay. Like this is, I think a lot of people decide that they want to like start an agency or take on a junior writer because like they think it'll make their life easier if they don't have to do all of the writing. And like, that's just not true at all. That's absolutely not true at all. Like it's more work because you have more clients, you have more, you have more clients and more writers. So In and of itself, that's more communication, that's more management, you have to shift the role that you're playing in your business to be able to hold that. And so what I've said, and I've said this to copywriters that I've mentored to who are considering starting agencies, I'm like, if you don't have a big why for why it's important to you to do this, then like, do not do it. Because if you're doing it because you think it's going to make your life easier, because you think you're going to make so much more money, like you're not. And like, I'm not saying that it's impossible to do that. But I think if you don't have a bigger why driving you, then then like, it's just not going to be rewarding at all. 
So for me, I really felt excited about providing work to these other writers. Like that had so much meaning for me. And it played into this like bigger why and vision with my business and the work that I felt I was doing in the world that felt important to me, which is still something that I feel really passionately about. I feel very passionately about writers being compensated for their talent and their skills. It's like something that's very important to me. You know, so that drove me, you know, that drove me to kind of like build the business and think about the vision. And like, that was, that was what was important to me and why I did it. You know, I think I had moments of thinking like, well, maybe this will be easier. And then it just wasn't, but I still had that burning purpose behind it. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of, okay, know your why. And if this is really important to you, if it's not, then just don't do it. But let's say somebody has their why similar to you. And so they're still moving forward with it. What's the best way to move forward? Is it to bring on someone like Aaron just to kind of test the waters, see if you like even subcontracting before you expand? Yeah, there are a few things that I would have someone do. First of all, there are like three inquiries that I would have someone ask themselves before they start, right? And like one is like, why do you really want to do this? What do you really want to get out of it? And what do you really want to feel? Like, what feeling are you going after that this is important to you? Right. So it could be ease. It could be significance. It could be, you know, that they think they're going to make more money. So like maybe they want to feel more wealthy or abundant. Like what is the actual reason for yourself why you want this? Right. The second thing is what role do you really want to play? So what job do you really want? I mean, a lot of us start our own businesses because we're creating the life we really want for ourselves. You know, for some people, copywriting is a freelance thing. It's a way to make extra money. It's just like the job that they found, whatever. I think for a lot of us who are striking out on our own with our own businesses, like we're doing it so that we have a life of choice and that we have flexibility, whether we want more time with our family or we want to be able to travel or we just don't want to work for anyone else. So a lot of times when we're building our own businesses, if we're bringing on a team and scaling, we have to ask the question of like, well, what job do I want in this company? And what job am I creating for myself? So they have to know like what tasks do they even like in their business and what tasks do they hate in their business and like what role do they really want to play? And then the third thing is like, what is the vision? So actually long term, like where do you see this going? And how long are you willing to work at it to get there? Because it's not quick. Like it's a marathon. You know what I mean? To commit to building something into the vision that you want it to be like, you know, what actually is that? And how long do you think it'll take you to get there? Because there's just a lot of steps in the process to getting there. So I would say, please ask yourself those three questions and give yourself clarity before you do anything. And then the obvious step or the obvious step to me, the the answer I always give is like, yes, absolutely. What you just said, start with one. So bring on one team member and experiment with like what you want to give to them. And that could like, honestly, the first team member could be a VA for a lot of writers. It's like just hire an assistant to start. And then when you're ready for more, you know, and you decide you want a junior copywriter, like I would say before you're thinking about building an agency, just experiment with what it's like to work with one person under you and to take on a couple extra clients where you're managing someone else writing and training them and just see how, see a, how you like it. And B, is it sustainable for you? Okay. So I want to hear more about what this actually looked like for you behind the scenes. So you are adding people, you're training them. What did your role look like when you realized, okay, these are the tasks I want to focus on. This is the role I want to play. What was that for you? So at first for me, I was really excited about being the person who provided like doing the calls with the clients 
connecting with clients, pulling their story out of them, doing like the strategy. I was like very excited to be the person who was doing strategy and not all of the writing. So I I was excited to take sales calls. I was excited to be the face of the brand. I loved thinking about marketing. I loved creating new like products and offers. You know, I created a course within the first six months of my business because I was just excited to like create things and teach. Like I was just like, (laughs) yeah, I have an idea. I want to do it. So I just loved doing that. I just loved that. I also loved working with writers. So a lot of my role was like, I will do the marketing for the business. I will take the sales calls. You know, when Erin first started taking on her own services, she would do her sales calls for her services and I would do my sales calls for my services. So we kind of operated autonomously within the business and she would still send things to me to supervise And while that happened, when she kind of took over her own services and acted autonomously within the business, I brought on two other writers to start training them and experimenting with me doing strategy and them writing. So I would be sending them recordings of calls that I did with clients and they would kind of draft it out. And then I would come in and I would, you know, give them comments and I would explain why I would want things changed. And so there, you know, there's no way to develop content without developing the writer at the same time. So as I'm working on content, I'm just also doing the job of explaining to them why, like, change this to this, but here's why. Do it this way and here's why. So, you know, it's obviously that that is a more intensive process than just going in and fixing something yourself. It's different, you know? And so that's what I was doing and I was loving it because I love training and working with writers. And I was working long hours. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the dark side again. What does that really look like? The dark side of building an agency is... You have more mouths to feed, right? So then you like bring on people and you train them and you put in the work and energy of training them and you get excited. And by the way, you're also training them on like how you work, what your processes are, what your systems are. So, you know, you want to obviously hire people who are self-managing, who already have talent, who learn quick, all of that stuff. And so there were writers that like worked out and writers that didn't. And so sometimes when the writers that didn't would deliver drafts to you that were totally unusable, and then you have to write everything yourself to fix it because you still have to deliver a quality product for the client, you know? So a lot of times it's doing double the work or extra the work or three times the work. It's not as agile and efficient as doing it yourself, which is why I'm like, you have to have a bigger why. And so, you know, when I actually talked about like the scaling issue with agencies of, you know, you obviously, you know, hiring is hard and finding an amazing team is hard and all that stuff is hard. And then you have the team and then you're like, okay, great, we're ready. Like now lead generation. So, you know, is everyone booked out all the time? And do we have enough projects to go around for all of the writers right now? And, you know, so I think once I kind of got to the point where I had three to four writers, I was then stressed out about having enough work for them. (laughs) So it's that balance. And it's also like the struggle with agencies is always, and it's been for me, the experience of like balancing like the capacity with the leads, you know, like, okay, well, now I have trained writers who can take all the projects, but like, now we're having, you know, now I can only book three of them instead of four. And so I don't know what to do about that. And listening to you talk about this, you keep saying things like, I loved doing strategy, like it's all in the past tense. Right. Like, like maybe right. something has changed recently. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also like, I'm really good at strategy. It's one of my top five strengths, like strengths finder strengths. Like strategy is, it's a natural strength for me, but I actually don't enjoy it. So that's something that I've discovered over the course of my business is like, I really, really don't love doing strategy, even though I'm good at it. 
So the, in the beginning, I was doing strategy. And then eventually in year three, I was like, okay, I'm going to bring in another strategist so that they can have a meeting with the strategist on strategy. And then the writer can write. And like, I don't have to touch any of that. So then that was the next stage was like, all right, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to get someone else to do this step. So I got someone else to do that step. And so it was just a lot of like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then rebuilding every time to kind of create more, I want to say agility and efficiency in the business so that I could like step into the role of CEO, which I feel I've, that's basically been what I've been doing for the last like eight months is like, all right, I have all of these other pieces tasked out and systematized. And now I'm like fully in the CEO role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So you're making some changes to your business, I understand, uh, because of a lot of this. Do you want to talk about that and and how you're changing your business to fit what you really want? Yeah, sure. So I have made a decision to shut down my agency operations as of November 1st, 2017. And it's been a hard decision. It's a scary decision. It's a sad decision. There's been a lot of grief around it for sure. But ultimately, the decision comes from the place of like, I'm still not really actually able to be in my own genius zone in a business where I'm like the CEO and the boss and, you know, looking at profit and loss and looking at expense reports and thinking about lead generation and marketing and bringing people in and, you know, everything that you do when you're running a business, like all of the departments. And in the beginning, when I first ran my business, I remember feeling the overwhelm of being like, oh my gosh, when you have your own business, you have to do all the departments. I'm um, thinking if I could like offload some of the actual contracting work, then it would seem, you know, lighter also for me. But the reality is that I built a business where I created almost an ideal work environment for a lot of the people on my team because I supported them being in their genius zones and I supported them doing what they were best at. You know, I would look at what they were good at and then I would put them in the role. You know, I would restructure their role based on their talents and their skill set. Um, and I was doing that for everyone except myself. <laughs> wow. So I came to the conclusion that I need to change things again. And I need to kind of, I need to dismantle the agency to really give myself the freedom to restructure my business again, or potentially even step away from the concept of CEO altogether in order for me to like feel good every day to do what makes me happy and to feel like I'm actually doing my brilliance work and not the work that I'm good at, but don't actually love. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have a lot of questions about it. (laughs) (laughs) And I also want to write more film and television stuff too. Like I'm just like, I need to be pitching and doing these things. And like, it's time I've took enough time away from Hollywood. I need to kind of go back. So Yeah. And I was going to ask you, you know, what is your genius zone? And you have so many different strengths, like you said, strategy. What is it for you where it actually aligns with what you enjoy? Is it the storytelling piece? Yeah, it's for me, it's writing, like literally writing is my genius zone. So for me to be running a business where I write for a client twice a year is just, it's so, it's the stupid, (laughs) literally, I like, I'll joke about it. I don't care. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I ever did. Like that I spent the last four years (laughs) building a business where I'm not doing the thing I'm actually best at. Like that's dumb. So (laughs) (laughs) writing is my absolute, like, I love it. It's my brilliance, all of that stuff. I also really love supporting writers and entrepreneurs with storytelling with storytelling, with voice development, and with the creative process. Hilariously is like what I started doing four years ago. Right? Yeah. Coming back around a little. Maybe you could turn that into an agency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, it's writing and it's honestly, it's ideas. Like if I had to be honest with you what my brilliance zone is, it really is getting ideas and knowing what concept for a campaign or like a product or something marketable, like what are people actually going to be excited about? It's actually tapping into like what audiences want and what buyers want right now. So I genuinely believe that that is like my actual brilliance as far as like the work that I do with clients and also like with my film and TV writing, you know, and the writing piece and the storytelling piece around that. Yeah. And that all makes sense as you're saying it. So when you decided to shut down, I know you're in the process of it now. Mm-hmm. What does that actually look like? I mean, how do you do that? And and what does your business look like once you shut it down in this new version? Or are you still figuring that out? So shutting down is, is like a multi-step process, like everything else. <laughs> it's right. systematic brain. <laughs> um, so step one was, you know, having conversations with my team one-on-one, you know, just setting up times and speaking to everyone and kind of letting them know, like, here's what I've decided. And, you know, in a lot of cases, I'm just having my writers continue their working relationships with clients, like, you know, ending, terminating the contracts with, with my LLC and then letting them kind of restart their own contracts directly with clients. So they can just kind to go right directly for the clients. So I've just been, you know, th- that step is like making sure that my clients and my writers are taken care of. And so that's been what a lot of like these 30 days has been is like having those conversations, letting our retainer clients know, letting other, you know, I'm going to be sending a message just to our like direct clients about this and letting them know that they're welcome to contact my writers directly if they want to. And I'm going to be booking some projects for me to write on a limited basis as well. So that's definitely a step. And, you know, I'm notifying my audience that I'm doing this and just like, you know, telling people it's a lot of the like communication strat. It's communication strategy, really. It's like, who do I need to tell in what order for this to be, you know, for no one to freak out, really. It's like, I don't want anyone to freak out. Like, you know, so (laughs) that's what that process has been like. And we're putting up a one pager for the website that should be live soonish. (laughs) that just basically explains like lol jk we're not an agency anymore and you know you can hire my writers you can hire me you can download the whole story because i will make it available not on the website but you can get it in your email if you want it and and yeah that's it and what's next for me is you know i have a program story school that i launched in september that I'm running that I'm obsessed with. And, you know, I don't know when I'm launching it again. But my intention is to put my energy into that and into my other writing projects and working with the limited amount of one on one clients too. How have you dealt with this big change? Um, You know, a pivot like you've had multiple pivots in a short (laughs) amount of time. And all of us will have those and we are having those maybe not quite as extreme, but we're we're experiencing those too. And so how have you dealt with those mentally, emotionally, especially such a big one now, so that you know, you don't completely fall apart? Because I think that's the hard part is just like being okay when we pivot and realize, hey, this thing I thought I was really good at, or I thought I enjoyed is not working. And I don't want to feel like a failure because I have to keep going and making money. But this is okay. How did you deal with that? You know, I deal with it with my other areas of my life, really. Like I have spiritual practices. I have a support team. I have a partner, you know? And so I think a lot of it is like, just give yourself permission to like be confused, to grieve, to like accept the uncertainty. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, you kind of have to have that to build a business to begin with. And to me, this is like just another step. And it's like extra sad because it feels like an ending. 
but like every ending's a beginning. Hashtag story school. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, like my first gut reaction to your question is like, I mean, if you have people in your life who will listen to you cry and like hug you, like you're you're fine. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of crying and a lot of like, you know, I have a life coach. I have, I go, I take good care of myself. You know, I like do energy healing. I do acupuncture. Like I am woo woo and I do those things and it does help me. It does help me kind of just like lean in and be like, all right, next. Yeah. So Story School isn't your first course. You've done a bunch of these and I know we're really running out of time and bumping up against the hour, but you have like a top two or three best pieces of advice for people who want to create their own course, what they need to do, what they should maybe avoid doing and how they can make it successful? I mean, I have tips, but like, it's not advice that I've really always followed myself. So I don't know if you want (laughs) the Jamie Jensen way of course launching. Yeah, of course. That's why you're here. We want the Jamie Jensen way. Or if you want, if you want, like, like learn from my mistakes and do it smarter. So well, I guess I guess we want to do it smarter, I would say. Right? So the first time I launched a course, I pre-sold it. And I think that's a smart thing to do is to like pre-sell something and then create it. Because then you like have the energy and you have the proof that people want it. And like you don't waste your time creating a course that no one wants. Yeah. So I think that's a smart thing for anyone to do whenever they're creating anything new is like yes. pre-sell. I'm just into pre-selling. It's a great way to finance a film too. <laughs> FYI. So I'm into pre-selling. The other thing I would say is, I mean, with Story School, I didn't pre-sell. I was just like, I'm making this and I'm investing a lot of money into it and I believe in it and I'm doing it. And so I just did it. And that's a scarier way to go. So I don't recommend people do that necessarily. It worked out, but I think it just makes the process a little more stressful and painful from like a risk. You know, it really depends on your level of like risk tolerance, I think. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what I would say. And really be willing to co-create something with your students. You know, I think when you are creating a course or an experience or a program, you have to adapt to their needs. You have to listen to what they want. And like, that's the whole point. You know, if you are really invested in supporting them, then, then you need to meet them where they are and support their needs and listen. So I think the best business tip that I would give anyone is like, listen. That's hard to do. (laughs) Let's see. So you mentioned your zone of genius is really the ideas and figuring out what people want right now. So what do buyers in the marketplace want right now? Like, what are you seeing? Because I know you do feel it out and you are sensitive to that. In the marketplace right now, what should copywriters, marketers be aware of in the space we're in today? I think this is relevant to copywriters specifically because like we are like we tend to be B2B, you know, like we're writing for businesses. So, you know, from the perspective of business to business, I think that what audiences want right now and what buyers want right now is like a deeper level of authenticity and connection with leaders. I think that we're in this space where like the superficial just isn't really clicking for people. And there's a lot of like eye rolling and okay, well, I've been through this before. And, you know, I see like Facebook ads not converting as highly and, you know, things like that, where people just want like a deeper level of connection than what they're getting, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think we're all seeing that and feeling that and aware of that. So before we wrap, can you just tell us a little bit more about Story School? Like what, because you are going to launch it again, if somebody is interested, what can they expect from it? And then where should they contact you if they want to get on the list? So 
what Story School really is, is it is a 12 week program that basically walks people through like all of the components of story, what make a story good, how to think about story and like big picture terms. So it is, it's a lot of teaching a way of thinking about writing and storytelling and how these elements apply like across everything you'll write these elements can apply and they can help you create something that gives audiences a more emotionally connected experience and like a more emotionally invested experience no matter what you're writing so that's what story school is and it really pulls from all of my experience in hollywood all of my degrees i actually have a degree in dramatic storytelling from undergrad and then i film producing is my graduate degree And then I worked in Hollywood and I've written a lot and I've written as a writer and I've also been on the buying side with stories where I've listened to writers pitch things. So that's kind of where the course comes from. It's like from working with many different mentors, reading every book on the subject and like from Aristotle to, you know, Robert McKee. So that's basically what the course is. It's also teaching the hero's journey in a way that I think has been clicking a lot with my audience. And they're like, oh, I never saw it this way or I never understood it this way, or I never looked at it this way. And it's just like, wow, that really clicked for me in a totally different, a new way. So that's actually what the course is. And it just gives a lot of like practical tools and analysis tools for looking at story for anything for copy for screenwriting for a talk for just for anything where you're going to be writing because story is the container, really. So that's what story school is. Sorry, you have a question. (laughs) (laughs) Rob was going to say something. I was just gonna. I was gonna jump. My breath must be really loud. We can hear you breathing. I was gonna say, you know, even if you're not interested in buying the course, you should at least get on the list so that you can read Jamie's emails about the course because I think they're fantastic. They're some of the best launch sequence emails that I've read in a long time. Definitely worth checking out for the stories she tells and just for the way that they're written. They're really good. Yeah. So get on the list, even if you don't want to buy the course, make sure that you're reading what she's writing about it. I super appreciate that, Rob. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I I received that. Um, So (laughs) I'm learning to take compliments. So yeah, so (laughs) you can go to yourhotcopy.com and get on the mailing list there. And I will just be sending updates as they're available. I'm still developing a new lead magnet for Story School and like listening to my audience and figuring out how I can best support them for free. Like what's the free value I can give? I don't know yet. But whatever it is, they'll get it if they sign up now. Yeah, maybe maybe like a quiz or something. I feel mm-hmm. like quizzes are popular right now. So Jamie, thank you for hanging out with us and sharing and being honest and sharing your update and sharing your experience, especially within the agency world. We really appreciate it. And of course, want to have you back to share all the updates as you make this pivot. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I had so much fun. Yay! <laughs> You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode.